This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. No, no. There are things I do not line up in a row. There's no table chart or graph that can define them. There is track too much calcium welcome back to late night nod with me ryan still in studio this evening is the temperamentally iced byron longhorn how are you byron yeah i'm still doing fine thanks ryan. good to hear before we conclude tonight's interview with byron we have a, a, a letter i'm being told I'm actually being told it's it's a tweet, Byron. No longer, no longer the postal form. No, I was just thinking it's lost, lost art form, isn't it? Anything good is lost in the end, I suppose. But this uh, tweet says, uh, Brian, I saw your group Contraband play it back in the seventies in in my college. You guys rocked. Oh, I'm not sure if we rocked, but we certainly rolled out of a few beds, Byron. <laughs> but um. Thank you very much for, for that for that kind words, them kind words. Before we conclude tonight's interview, um, we'd just like to head off for a short break and we'll talk to you in just a moment. If you would like to download the full-length version of the song featured on tonight's episode, you can do so by supporting the podcast on Headstuff Plus. This weekend, tickets go on sale for country western music star Declan Everett and his nationwide tour. He'll be playing hits such as Ain't My Milk. Only One Mouth. And his latest record, Daddy's gonna stay in bed today. So run ahead now, darling, go out 
much side and played Cause daddy is gonna stay in bed today Tickets go on sale this Friday from all usual outlets. Back to your story, Byron. Back to an issue for, for, for many of your fans, man. many of the people who supported you and many of the people who observed you, like myself, um, have been reluctant to ever delve too deeply into that night back in 1984. If we can, if we can step back there for a second, if you've, if you've brought your toothbrush with you. Um, when you stood on that, that hotel balcony that night, you addressed the fans the way that you did. Where where were you in your own in your own mind? Well, it it was such an interesting time then for all of us, for the band. We were on the verge of something really really big, I, I think. And um, it was, you know, that was the night before. We can help, right at Wembley big festival and um yeah all those fans had gathered gathered around outside the hotel and you know I, 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 I think there's things that we look back on and sometimes you wish you had a time machine but you don't do you not yet and so you know, I, I said, I'll, you know, I'm going to go out and, 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 and talk to them, and I, and, I, and I did. So, famously, other members of Crash, uh, um, at the time, had, had sought to hold you back. They had perhaps been a little less, if, if you don't mind me saying, short-sighted. They had seen their reputation as, as the premier 80s pop synth full rock group. About to perhaps be shattered by a by a rogue. I, I think it can sound premeditated that I went out there with with, with something in mind to say, and you know, I stood on the balcony and said, "You know," mm. I, I said, "Have this, you sluggy bastards." And I think there's, it's easy to look at that and say, "Oh, he, you know, he thought." thought this through but not everything I was doing in those days was fully thought through but there was something in me that knew that that's what they needed to hear so uh, when your fans stood 30-40 feet below and looked up to I suppose a, a metaphorical pulpit, and 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 watch their 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 king stand above them in in a in a, in a small pair of swimming shorts and 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 a, and a barely an ill-fitting, let's be honest, dressing gown, and said, "Have this, you slaggy bastards." What in their mind do you think they were getting from that? I think our fans would look at us and at me specifically. They would look at me in a pair of swimming shorts and say, yeah, wow, whatever that is, 
Tauane. What was it? Power. Power. Music. Sex. Money. Love. Belonging. Pain. Loneliness. And the phrase have this, you slaggy bastards, for you took that myriad, that kaleidoscope of human existence, of feeling, and and put it through one short, crisp phrase. It can be difficult to capture all those things in a song, in an, in an album, in a career. Sometimes you just have to call people slaggy bastards. Sometimes you do, and I mean, invariably you did. And I mean, of course, that wasn't the first time you you, you turned your own ponderings of existence directly at an audience. Well, it's such a thin line. Between like, art and, and, and a desire to, to implode. Between creation and destruction. That's a thin line. And if you're not straddling that line, then you're not an artist, is what I think. So sometimes a pop singer, for instance, might shoot a fan in the face with a laser. And there might be people looking at that that don't understand, but they're people who, and no, I mean, no offense to them. I mean, it's, you know, they might never throughout their entire lives shoot somebody with a laser or anything else. So it can be hard for them to understand that. It can be hard for people to understand that impulse. Byron, are, are you simply misunderstood? I think, if anything, I'm too well understood. And so these acts are, are an attempt to defy the notions that people believe they have of you already? Exactly. I think people see me and they see that, you know, they see all the the surface stuff, you know, the the models, the fast cars, the the high powered speedboats, you know, the boats. But you can't, you, they don't see what's inside unless I tell them. And that's what's defined my life is trying to to tell people and have them hear it and listen and go, yeah. I guess what you're looking for is, is some sort of a, a temporary agreement from your listener. A no, contractual, an artistic contract between what you're creating and, and, and what you're saying. No, I disagree. Right. I think, if anything, I'm trying to challenge. It's a, it's a, it's a fight. It's a struggle, a conflict. The title of your one and only solo track, which you released, of course, after Crash crashed and the wreckage smoldered and you somehow remained unscathed, as you seem, seem to so often do, Byron. That track, I Cannot Be Loved. Why can you not be loved? What's love? You know, what is it? I mean, I've stood 
I've stood on a balcony and I've screamed at, at people and I've had them love me. And I put the word love in, in air quote in air quotes, you know. Love me. Shot people, fans, with high powered lasers and they've loved me. But have they have they loved me? Oh no. Correct. But they need you? Not as much as I need them, you know? So the song, in essence, is not about you, you as, a, as an individual being incapable of, of accepting and feeling love. It's, it's you saying, no, I don't want your love because I don't know what to do with it. So simply, I just want to love you in whatever way I can, whatever way I can defy your expectations, be it lasers, be it hotel balconies, be it speedboats, be it your recent delve into activism, into environmentalism. Mm. It's anything for you really, isn't it? It's just more about giving than, than, than taking. That's it, you know, just because I cannot be loved is the name of the song. I feel I cannot be loved. It doesn't mean I can't love. It doesn't mean I can't love. I can. I have. Many, many times. Like a, I suppose it's like a, a baker, maybe you know, he can. He can make a beautiful loaf of bread, but doesn't mean he can go into a restaurant and eat what's put in front of him. If you were to take the consistency, the air pockets, the the the, in, the inevitability of of putting a sort of moist substance into a hot ceramic and producing something crusty and edible. If you to take that process and apply it to how you approach your day, approach your life. Yeah, I mean, I've never really thought about it in terms of bread before. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's right. What's going to be the outcome of Byron? Will you remain a, a moist, yeasty substance, or is, is there going to be something solid at the end of all this for you? Well, I would, I would hope that Merely, you know, by being in the oven, one is being baked. I don't think that you can come out of an oven less cooked than when you went in. Wouldn't be possible. No, I don't, I don't think it would. Do you feel there's an issue with your temperature or your artistic temperature your humane temperature your your well, I think consistency a, I think that there's that seems... an issue with the earth's temperature certainly um well i think now it, it it's about trying to give back you know and that is why i have taken uh taken a turn into more sort of activism it's because you know the world's on fire and um not in a good way and um, you know, I, I want, I want to, I want to make it. I want to leave something for my grandkids. You know. Do you have any grandkids? No, no, I, I, I don't have any kids. So the grandkids you're leaving for would be essentially someone else's children. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like, like um, if I if I did have grandkids. That's who you'd be saving the planet for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
You've never had kids? No, no, I didn't. Um, you know, I think sometimes in uh, in life that's just sort of something that that happens, you know. Um, um, I don't know. I, I, mean, I don't know how much people sort of. I think a lot of people just sort of have have kids, and I just sort of didn't. Do you resent the accusations from the press, from former fans, from fans, that your pivot into environmentalism is is cereal box cliche? It's it's a signal light and a left turn. It's it's very expected. I mean. I haven't done a lot that's been expected of me, you know, and maybe it was time that I did. So maybe sometimes you have to defy expectations by doing exactly what people expect you to do. People expected you at some point in your career to call them slaggy bastards? Well, I mean, back back then, certainly. I was surprising people. I was surprising myself. Let me tell you. So, if you stood on that hotel balcony now, as as an environmentalist, as a man who's seen it all, done it all, been there, forgot that, not had the kids, had the speedboats, had the girlfriends, had the drugs, not had the drugs, gone to jail for not having enough money to pay for the drugs and the various things you resorted to. If you stood on that hotel balcony now, what would you say? What would you be telling them to have, and what would they be? I, I don't know if I'd be on that balcony now. You'd be submerged with the, with the rising seawater, I suppose. That's where it's headed. And I, I can't say that I'm completely innocent in all this, you know. I think if you look at me and my generation, I, I can't believe now that I'm talking about my generation, you know, that like, I we were, I used to be the generation, you know. It's like this generation. When people talked about, about about this generation, that was my generation. Now it's my generation. It's different, you know. But I think we weren't as aware. We didn't know. We didn't know. Back then, we didn't know. And Crash went on the biggest, as we were talking about earlier on, the biggest world tour that had ever been seen at that stage. You famously once rented your own 747. Such was your desire to, to isolate in between the cities of performances. Yeah, well, yes, we, uh, I got a 747. Brian got a 747, Felix got a 747. We all had 747s, but we, and they, they'd never seen a Western band in China when we went there. That, I mean, that's how new it was. No, you know, nobody, nobody back then was flying around on several 747s. And we, you know, it's been calculated, and I'm not proud of this, I'm really not, that 2% of the environmental damage done to planet Earth between 1980 and 1990 was by Crash's World Tour. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I look at that and I say, we could have shared a 747, you know, we could have done things differently. We could have done things differently. And now I, you know, I need to do something about that, you know. So when Brunel began the Industrial Revolution, 
when the bridges were built and the locomotives ran across the ground at high speed, steam, coal, smoke. It all seemed so new and so fresh despite its smoggy texture. Was that period for you in the 80s the apex of our species' contribution to the planet in terms of pollution? I think so. Had you once again found yourself at the top, no matter what you do in life, you always seem to to be at the apex? Yeah, I mean, some people are just like that, aren't they? I mean, I turned my hand to polluting and, you know, accidentally became one of the leading polluters of the decade at that time. Um, certainly, I mean, as I said, it was before we knew. We didn't know. We didn't know about that. And it was the height, so there was a hedonism and a... There was a sexuality to pollution back then, really, wasn't there? There was. To the fetishization of, of, of pumping smoke into this vast expanse, this mother nature. It was excess. That's what people did. People did excess, you know. It, there wasn't any, there wasn't, it, we, we weren't minimalists back then. We weren't, you know. We, no half measures. No, you did it. If you're going to do it, you did it. And we did it. We did it. Um, if it could be done, we'd do it. And we did it. There was very, very little you didn't do. There was nothing we didn't do. And there was more that we did do. That nobody knew you didn't do? Well, people knew we didn't do it. But if we did do it, we said it. And we, we said it. That was the thing. And that was what other people weren't doing when they were doing stuff. They weren't saying it as well. So... So when other people said stuff and did stuff, they weren't doing the stuff or saying the stuff that you were doing and saying? Exactly. You were filling a void they weren't even aware of with the stuff they weren't even aware that they weren't even doing? We plugged a hole people didn't know was there. I can't, I can't take back. The carbon dioxide? Carbon dioxide, the slaggy bastards. I can't take any of it back and then... I, I don't wish, I, the funny thing is, you know, I don't wish that I could. I, I don't, I don't wish that, if, if I could, I wouldn't. If I could, I wouldn't, because I wouldn't have learned the lessons that I did. So if I were to say to you, you could take back what you did, you wouldn't, because you couldn't? Exactly, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it because I couldn't, but if I could, would I? We, you know, we, we could, we could talk about that all night. Of course. If you don't mind, we might just briefly touch on your relationship with Heather Roberts. She's one of the great loves of my life, you know, and I don't think people talk about that. They didn't talk about that in the tabloids. They didn't talk about that in the teletext headlines, you know. It was real. They sold the sex, not the soul? Yeah, and we all do that sometimes, you know. What is the soul for you? What is the spirit? Is the spirit for you derived from the Greek word pneuma, which means to breathe? Or is, is the spirit from you derived from riding alone slightly behind the cockpit of a, of a 747? I don't know. I think I gave 
so much of myself to what I did with my life. I don't know how much there was left to give to someone else. And it's a funny thing that when you, you're writing love songs, you know, people know you for your love songs and your songs about heartbreak and romance. And it's funny, you're pouring all your love, it's going into your work and your, your music and in a way yourself, you know. Um, do you regret, do you regret much, Byron? I don't know how useful regret is. Um, Might it be useful for the next generation to know what not to do? Well, I mean, if you, you know, read the story of my life, there's a few, there's a few lessons in there. It's more of a textbook than an autobiography. I don't, I think kids these days, uh, it's not the same, you know, they're not, they're not the same. They don't have the same sort of expectations. And, and some of the things that we did back then, it, 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 I mean, it looked glamorous, but I don't think kids these days are sort of impressed by it, really. No way. They've got a different values, and I, I admire them for that, I have to say. What are their values? Oh, I think there's more sort of social conscience now and what, and what they do and what they need to do. I think, you know, I think they're... They, we were back then, we, we, we were individuals, even within a band. And that was real sense. I mean, that was, it was, it was the eighties, you know, that's, that's what it was. It was, you were out there for yourself, sort of making something of yourself, for yourself, you know. I think now people feel they're part of something in a way that we never did. I never did. And I, I never did. So I suppose to wrap up. I posed the question earlier, but maybe now it might be less of a question, more and more of a, of, of my own summation, is that if you were to stand on that hotel balcony and directly address the younger generation, it wouldn't be to say, have this, you slaggy bastards. It would be, hello, perhaps you'd like to try this, you slaggy bastards. I suppose we'll never know. No. Thank you very much for joining us this evening, Byron. It's a real pleasure. Hopefully you'll stop by again. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us here this evening on Late Night Nod with me, Brian. Don't forget to join the conversation at the Late Night Nod, wherever you find us. With your questions, your queries, your comments, your retrospective memories. And before we go tonight, I'll leave you with this thought for the week as you defrost Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday's nutrition. You peel back that plastic layer of your Tupperware. Inside, you might find that there will be pain. There will be suffering. But once you finish the defrostation process, there will be nutrition. There will be fiber. There will be protein. There will be a belly full of food and a day to be had. Thank you and good night.
This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank <laughs> you.